Hey there, and welcome to the Rock Reavers podcast. Here we are all about believing and proclaiming the word. We're totally given to true worship and obedient in taking the gospel to the nations through missions. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you'll be blessed by this message. Praise God. Acts chapter 20. In the rush of our duties on Sunday, my wife forgot to greet you, so I greet you on her behalf. All right. Acts chapter 20 from verse 32. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you what? An inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and those who are with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. That he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When Pastor Stan uh, talked about Isaiah chapter 2, that's one of my favorite scriptures, uh, portions of scripture. It's very Exciting because God shows us through Isaiah that his principles supersede the principles of the world. He says, in that day shall the mountain of the Lord's house be exalted above all the other mountains. And the people will come from the nations and they will say one to another, let us go to the house of the God of Jacob so that he may teach us his ways. There are the ways of God. There are different ways of doing things, but there are also the ways of God. If we are going to get to a certain place in prosperity, in progress, in wholeness, in fullness and abundance, we also have got to take care of the way that gets us there. Scripture says there's a way that seems right in the eyes of a man yet the end of it is destruction. So if you are going to do anything with God, if you're going to walk into what God has promised you, you have to ensure that you are doing it His way. In Isaiah 55 and verse 8, He says to us, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We live in the world, but we are not of the world. And the conflict that we normally have is that the world has its ways, and then God has his ways. So the conflict is how to bring the ways of God into a world that has its own ways. That's the greatest battle that you will ever face, how to impose the ways of God in a world that has its own ways. The world has its own systems. The world has its own uh, 
structures. There's a way the world runs, but then there's how we are also wired and expected to live. In John chapter 3 and verse 30, verse 31, verse 32, the scripture talking about Jesus, John says that I must decrease so that he increases. Then he says, he that is from above is above all. So the principles of God are above the principles of the world. His principles are above because the author of those principles is above the principles that we live by in the world. The world lives by buying and selling. The world lives by buying and selling. The kingdom operates by giving and receiving. The, the world operates by buying and selling. The kingdom operates by giving and receiving. Two different ways, and that's why I started by my preamble. The two different ways. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with the buying and the selling. But I love to ask a particular question, what is the advantage that the believer has over somebody else? In Romans chapter 3 and verse 1, Paul asks that particular question. He says, what then is the advantage of the Jew over everybody else? He says, much in every way because to them were committed the oracles of God. The principles of God, the word of God is the greatest advantage that you have over everybody else. Not your abilities, not your skill set, not your networks, not your experience. The word of God is your greatest advantage. The principles of God are your greatest advantage in anything that you do. Because heaven and earth shall pass away, Matthew 24 and verse 35, but the word of God shall not. So when you live by and walk by the word of God, you are assured that you cannot fail. Glory be to God. Which then leads us to Psalm 1 and verse 1. The scripture says to us, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And upon it does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, whose leaf does not wither, and who also brings forth his fruit in his season. What does the blessed man do? The blessed man delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it. Why does he meditate on it? So that he may apply it. The purpose of knowledge is application. If you cannot apply what you know, then you do not know. If you cannot apply what you know, is it okay for me to come down here? All right. So let me just give you a side note. In the morning, I was wondering, so what do I put on? I'm going to reverse, man. So I looked at everything that I had. I changed, I changed. So when I walked in here and I saw Pastor Stan, I knew I was in the spirit. <laughs> Glory be to God. If you cannot apply what you know, then you don't know anything. It means that your knowledge is faulty or your interpretation has a problem. Blessed is the man who walks not. So you see that the blessing is tied to a pattern in life. 
to principles. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and upon that does he meditate day and night. Day and night. In Job, Joshua, sorry, chapter 1 and verse 8, God says to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but upon it shall you meditate to do all that is written therein. Then you shall make your way prosperous and you shall have good success. So the foundation of the blessed life is the principles of God you apply in your life. It begins with a principle. It does not begin with what you have on the outside. If you are a student of the principles of God, and if you are a practitioner of the principles of God, you are walking in the blessing already. Am I making sense to you? It doesn't start with what you have. It starts with what you believe. It doesn't start with what you have. It starts with what you believe. If you believe right, you live right. If you believe wrong, you live wrong. In fact, your behavior is an offshoot of your belief. You change a man's belief and you will change his behavior. Is the reason Christianity is not about changed behavior. Anybody can change their behavior. You can just decide from today, I'm not drinking. That has not made you born again. <laughs> and you're not born again because you stopped drinking. You could have been born again and struggled with that thing for a while. I'm not saying anything, but you could have been born again and struggled with that thing for a while. But you being born again is a matter of your belief. Then the belief shapes your behavior. Glory be to God. So... When you are looking at your life and you're wondering whether you're blessed or not, you first of all have to inspect what do you believe? What do you believe? Because if the foundation is faulty, Psalm 11 and verse 3, there's nothing the righteous can do. If I don't believe in the word of God, the word of God cannot work for me. I cannot expect to receive from a God whose word I do not believe in. That's why scripture says to us in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man receives nothing from the Lord. The natural man receives nothing from the Lord. Now that's a very interesting, uh, that's a very interesting scripture because in Matthew 7, 7, I'm here for the whole month. So let me lay my foundation today. That's all right? Are you guys well on this side? Praise God. Matthew 7, 7, he says, ask and you shall receive, give, sorry, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened to you. Ask and you shall receive. Then he goes on further in verse 8 to say, for everyone who asks, receives. Like receiving is an assured thing when you ask anything from God. Receiving, we don't struggle with receiving. He says, for everyone who asks, receives. Goodness. You got to think about that thing. Ooh. For everyone who asks, receives. So then why do some of us struggle to receive? Why don't we receive? 
Then James talks to us and he says in James chapter 4 verse 2 and verse 3, he says, you have not because you ask not. He says, but even when you ask, you ask amiss. So one of the reasons why we don't receive is we ask amiss. What is it about asking amiss? It is asking without knowledge. Asking without knowledge. I prove it to you in First John chapter 5 and verse 14. Are we still okay? First John chapter 5 verse 14. The scripture says, being confident, this is the confidence we have, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So the condition is his will. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And therefore we have our petitions. So everybody that knows his will, when he asks, he receives. Amen. Glory be to God. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Then I'll bring you into a certain trail of thought. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive and you shall have. So receiving is a matter of believing. <laughs> receiving is not a matter of touching. Receiving is a matter of believing. Believe you receive, then you shall have. So you see, the blessed life does not begin with what you have. It begins with what you believe. Are we still all right? Begins with what we believe. So please help me ask your neighbor for me, what do you believe? See, you're talking to them like you're scared of them. Ask them, neighbor, what do you believe? <laughs> Why is that important, Pastor Stan? Why is it important what you believe? Because you can't give until you believe. <laughs> Giving is believing that you're not losing. <laughs> Giving is believing that you're not losing. <laughs> you cannot separate giving from faith. We don't increase giving by threats, intimidation, manipulation, emotions. No, we increase our giving by increasing our faith. <laughs> because when I have faith, then I know, first of all, if I release anything to the Lord, first I know it came from God. So I am only releasing what I was entrusted with for a while. Secondly, I know that that thing cannot go without coming back to me. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now, Luke chapter 6 verse 38 tells us that. Give and you shall receive. Oh man. Ask and you will receive. Give and you shall receive. You remember the simultaneous equations? How are you all doing? See, I like greeting people, man. 
How you all doing? You're fine? So give is equal to receive. Ask is equal to receive. That means giving is equal to asking. Giving in itself is a prayer. Giving itself is a prayer. First Kings chapter 3, verse 5. First Kings chapter 3, verse 5. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said, Ask, what shall I give you? But if you go back to the verses just before that, in the night Solomon had gone up to the high places and he had offered up a thousand offerings. It was not an offering of a thousand shillings. <laughs> it was not one offering of a thousand shillings. It was a thousand offerings. See, we give once and we get tired. If we were to take the second offering, we'd be like, why are we taking the second offering? Solomon did not bring an offering of a thousand shillings. No. And he did not bring an offering of a thousand cattle. He brought a thousand offerings. <laughs> when he did that, his offering became a prayer. And so God came back to him and said, ask me, what do you want me to give you? Why? Because everyone that asks receives. So by his giving, there was a demand in the heavenly places for him to receive. Let's take it to the New Testament. In Acts chapter 10, a man called Cornelius is visited by the angel. And the angel says to him, Cornelius, your giving and your prayers have come before God for a memorial. Your giving and your prayers have come before God for a memorial. Now some of us pray so well, we're not good at giving. Then some of us give, but we don't pray. I'm trying to check out this side. See, I can't avoid this side because this is where the high table is. But then I feel the anointing on this side. So <laughs> I think there's a move of God on this side, literally. <laughs> so some of us will pray, but we don't give. Some of us will give, but we don't pray. And you need both. You cannot fly on one wing. You need both. For balance, you need to pray and give. You need to give and pray. You can't just be giving and saying, my giving will do that for me because you can't bribe God either. You are not, when we give, we are not paying God for anything and we're not bribing God for anything. Prayer shows that we are dependent on him. 
So even when we give, we are in the posture of there is really nothing that we can give to you. But we give as a principle knowing that we rely on you to even receive what we need to give. Glory be to God. You know that there's nothing you have that you can give to God that he didn't give to you? Oh, I gave. You didn't. He gave it to you to give it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 from verse 6. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. The scripture says, But he that sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully also. Then he comes to us in verse 8. And he says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, so that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. So when you give... God's response is the release of grace. That's the first response. God's release of grace. When you give, God releases the grace. So I had Pastor Doc praying about, you know, making declarations about business and family. And I had Pastor Stan doing that. But what we are ask, actually asking God for is to release grace for us in those areas. Because grace makes functioning become easy. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, By the grace of God I am what I am. And he says that, and that grace has enabled me to labor more than everybody else. Then he says, not I, but the grace of God working in me. The grace of God, even though he was the last born, he was able to do more ministry than everybody else. And he credits that to the grace of God. The grace makes functioning becomes easier. Even in business, marriage, raising of children, everything that you do, you need grace right there. That's why God says he's able to make all grace, not just grace for ministry, all grace abound towards you. So that you at all times, having all sufficiency, may abound to every good work. In everything, you get into your office, there is grace for the work that you need to do. You get into your house, there is grace for that. You get into your business, there is grace for that. You come to church, you are serving in ministry, there is grace for that. Because God has all grace for you. That is supposed to help you have all sufficiency. That's okay, God's provision. He does not say you will have all the money you need. He says you will have all sufficiency. Because sometimes you don't need money. Sometimes you need a contact. You, you, you're going to hear what I'm talking about. Sometimes you need a contact. And his all-sufficiency has taken all of these things into consideration. Sometimes what you need is clarity of thought. So he will give you the clarity of thought. If you only look at it from the point of, I gave 10,000 and I'm expecting money, you diminish the, the grace of God. Because when you will need, when you will need clarity of thought in a difficult situation, he will still use the same seed to release that grace. He says what he needs now is clear thinking. Oh. <laughs> when you will need favor in a particular place, the favor will be released. So do not minimize the receiving only to 
I gave a thousand and by evening 5,000 was on my phone. He's way beyond that. God, I wish I had believers here. He is the God that does exceedingly abundantly far above all that you ask or think. In fact, when Paul was writing about sowing, not necessarily in the giving form, but he said, how are the dead raised? In 1 Corinthians 15, he was talking about this. He said, how are the dead raised? He says, it is sown, the body is sown in one form, but it is raised in another form. And he says, God gives to every seed its own body. God gives to every seed its own body. So, what you gave in the morning has its own body. And what you give now has its own body. And what you will give to, tonight has its own body. It looks like, it looks uh, like you're just giving. It's my offering, it's my 500, it's my 1,000, it's my 2,000. It looks the same in denomination, but it is different bodies in the spirit. So one of those is responsible for opening your ministry doors. Another one speaks for your family and you have no idea. Another one is supposed to bring you wisdom and sometimes you don't even know because God gives it the body that he sees fit. So sometimes you think you need money. God knows you need to be in health. So his answer to you will be you are healed. You are whole. So you don't see money moving much in your account but God has made sure that he has blessed your bread and your water. Exodus 23 and verse 25. He says, and you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water and he will take away sicknesses and diseases from among you. So sometimes you are giving and God is blessing your bread and your water and saying none of your family will spend a night in hospital. Oh. For everyone that asks, receives. And giving is asking. Now, let's take it back to that Luke chapter 6 verse 38. Am I moving too much? Oh, we're good, we're good. Let's take it back to Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. He says, give and it shall come back to you. Good measure. Press down. Shaken together. Running over. Shall men bring into your bosom? Have you ever thought about that scripture? Have you ever thought about that scripture? Give. And it shall come back to you. Good measure. Press down. Shake it together. Give and it shall come back to you. This is where I started with believing. Believing. If you actually believe that portion of the scripture, it changes how you give. If I am sure, Doc, that if I give you 10,000, 100,000 is coming back. Why would I give ten? I, I don't know whether, if I am sure, if I am sure that the return on investment is that level, and if I give 10, 100 is coming, then I will say, why don't I look for the 100? Yeah. But because we don't believe that it shall come back, 
We don't believe. We don't believe. We don't believe. <laughs> How y'all doing? Still good? We don't believe. It's a whole faith problem. We don't believe. We don't believe. Give and it shall come back to you. Good measure. Press down. Shaken together. Running over. How many of you here have ever fallen victim to pyramid schemes? Ponzi schemes. See, you've got to speak the truth in the house of God. Otherwise, the Holy Ghost will slay you. How many of you? How many? Please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. How many? Okay, this house is, there's too much financial intelligence in here. Only a few people have been duped. How did they trap you? Wasn't it with the promise that your money will be multiplied? Man, when you thought about that thing, you thought about that thing, it will triple in two weeks. You actually took a loan and convinced yourself that when the money comes back, you'll pay the loan from that money. If it's going to triple up, then you're not going to put in 30K. So you went in, took your 300K, you've calculated. It will bring back 900,000 and then I will pay the loan with 300. Then I will take away 300. I put another 300. In two weeks, I will have hit this amount. Look at how much you bring to church. You know, okay, 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 okay. Let me, let me not bother you, but look at how on the words of men, you can literally Sell your property because you believe if you give, it shall come back. <laughs> you actually believe when you give, it shall come back to you. Good measure. Press down, shaken together, running over. People would sell their cars to put their money in those schemes. People would sell stuff, put their money in those schemes. There are people who would put in like three million into those schemes because they are thinking, you know, I will have gotten like 10M in a while. Then I will build my house and I will be free from all of this stuff. Look at how we believe men. Now the scripture says, if we believe the witness of men. If we believe men to that level, why do we struggle believing God? It's a belief system problem. This is why you manage God with your giving. Because you don't trust Him. No, you don't trust Him. You don't trust Him. You don't look at it as investment. You don't believe when He says that when you give, you actually buy shares in my kingdom. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, God is a businessman. From the beginning up until now, God is a businessman. God <laughs> would let Satan go, but he would not let man go because God is a businessman. Man was given territory. Satan was never given territory. So he had to protect his investment on the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And everything that was created was created for God. God gave the earth to the sons of men. So when man lost the earth, God had to come down here. Not just for the man, but for his earth. <laughs> because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Too much treasure in here for him to let the devil rule. 
He's a businessman. And when people understand how to do business with God, God does business with them. Hannah said, I've realized that Eli has grown old. I've seen his sons, they're crazy. There's nobody to take over the ministry. Here I am, mocked by my co-wife. So God, let's strike a deal. Because <laughs> the guy you have over here, he even thinks I'm drunk. He's gone. He said, God, let's strike a deal. Your house needs somebody. My house needs somebody. You need a prophet. I need a son. You give me a son. I give him to you as a prophet. God says, but why didn't you say this earlier? <laughs> you would have avoided all these issues with Penina if you talked like this earlier on. When we give, we become investors in the kingdom. The kingdom is a business. So what is the business of the kingdom? Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. I'm minding my time. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. The kingdom is a business. But what is the core business of the kingdom? Jesus brings it up in Luke chapter 4 verse 18. He says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me and he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To open the blind eyes, to heal the broken hearts, to set the captives free, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That is the core business of the kingdom. When we give, we become partakers of this because... <laughs> See, for the kingdom, it's not that we give money, then we trade the money, then we get a portion of it. No. But every soul that is touched, every heart that is healed, every blind eye that is opened, every marriage that is restored, every child that is brought back out of addiction, everything that God does, we become partakers and we receive dividends of the same. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 7, Paul talks about it to the Philippians. He says, you are partakers with me of the grace. You are partakers with me of the grace that God has given to me. So ladies and gentlemen, let's just do a quick recap. First of all, God has his ways and his ways are above every other ways. We have to believe that the ways of God are better than the ways of the world. Being blessed is not what we are on the outside. It is what we believe. That's the foundation of it. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, the scripture says, A man's life does not consist of the things that he has. A man's life does not consist of the things that he has. So it says, beware of covetousness because a man's life does not consist of the things that he has. You are not defined by your positions. You are defined by your belief. Your belief then will shape your behavior. When you know that you're not defined by what you have, then you don't hold on to what you have. Are you still here, people? That you can release what you have and still know that you are blessed. It's a blessing to have that machine of Pastor Stan. But even if he's walking on foot, he's still blessed. Yes, sir. 
See, when we do not understand that, we hold on to what we have. You are not less blessed when your account does not have much. You are blessed because of what you believe. So when you get into a house, it's a blessed man in the house. When you get into a car, it is not the car that defines your blessing. So nobody should say, oh, he is blessed because he got a new car. No, it is a blessed man who got into a car. My God, have mercy over here. It's the blessed man that walked in there because the man in the car believes in something. Operates by certain principles. Operates by certain laws. So you were blessed whether you were in the manger, on the cross, in the grave, in the boat. No matter where you were, you remain the same person. So when the blessed man goes through a shake-up in business. Yes, that business will come back up again. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's what Jesus said to Martha. Yes, Say, your brother will rise again. Because when you have the blessing, the blessing will do that for you. If the blessed man walks into the grave, he'll come out of the three days. He'll come out. It is impossible for the grave to hold back the blessing. He'll come out. If his money runs down, he will rise up again. So ladies and gentlemen, we should be working on the principles that we live by. Glory be to God. I'm done for today. I hope I've kept my time. The blessing, women of God, is not what is outside of us. It is what is in us. And what is upon us. And what we believe in. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So Paul says to the people. Remember the words of our Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give. <laughs> we focus so much on receiving. He says it's more blessed to give. It's more blessed to give. To give. To give to give. So I want to give this to Doc. I know you know this, but you see his hand has to be below mine for him to receive. So if I drop here for me to receive, my hand has to go below his. So let me tell you what happens. When we give to God, temporarily his hand has to come under, but it cannot be there. You'll, you'll, you'll get it. It is impossible for his hand to be below ours. So he will quickly flip it so that we receive. Not because we are trading, but because it is impossible for his hand to be below yours. So when you take it higher and you say, okay, God. I love you. You've done me so well. I'm going to increase this. You better raise your hand up. I'm going to increase this. You bring it to this level. He also now has to take it to the next level. Then I say, God, faith to faith, glory to glory, strength to strength. So I'm going to this level because I know that he's more blessed to give. I increase my giving. What happens? He increases my receiving. 
Some of you right now, you are in the season of sowing, but you are blessed still. For where you are going, he needs you to sow as much as you are sowing. And do not get distracted by the one who is in the season of receiving. For where you are going, for where you are going, some of you need to accelerate your sowing. Yes, sir. Let me say this and be done. When you are studying for your exams, the discipline and the intensity of your study is determined by the grade you want to score. If you want an A, there is a way you've got to behave. Are you still here, people? It is not our seed that determines our harvest. It is the harvest you want. You cannot decide that I will be reading for one hour and then whatever I will have in the exam, that will be fine. No, you want an A, so you say I'm cutting off TV, I'm cutting off social media, I'm cutting off social interactions. I have to focus for these three weeks until I produce an A. You bring the same thinking into kingdom and say there is where I want to go. And so I have to sow for that level. So my harvest determines my seed. You start thinking of where you want to go. You start thinking of the kind of children you want to raise. You start thinking about the kind of life you'd want to have. You start thinking about how you want to raise your generation. Everything will shift. It's a belief problem. It's a belief problem. Kindly rise on your feet. Thank you for sticking in to the end. We hope you are blessed by this message. Follow us for more of these messages when new episodes drop and make sure to rate us so that more people can find out about us. Bye-bye.